Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. E-S-N-Y. Yeah, you 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 hit you played golf today, Max. I did. Um, trying to get a couple more rounds in before the weather gets too cold. So my dad and I went out to a course that we've never played before uh, towards Long Island. Not too too oh. far out, but yeah. far enough that it was a a hassle with rush hour getting back in. Um, that that's not the one that's right by the Frog's Neck, right? I to tell you the truth, I don't even remember what the name of the place was. Uh, <laughs> It was just kind of, you know, me, me and Pops going out there, throwing a couple balls down. Like, we didn't even really keep score. Um, we tried to at the beginning, but, you know. How, how many we, holes did you play? We didn't get all 18 in. Actually, we played the first, the front nine, mm-hmm. and there was such a buildup of parties in front of us that we spun around and played the front nine again, but kind of skipped around a little bit. And it was starting to get cold and windy and 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 dark as the sun was going down, so – you get as much as you can in to, to make the money worth it. And it was fun. Yeah. Alec Florida man over here is looking like, yeah, golf's fun. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm, I'm awful at golf. I don't go. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm so bad. My, my experience with golf is one summer in Cape Cod with a buddy. We didn't even play like a full 18. We didn't even play a full nine. We were just dicking around. I was slicing everything. Do, do, you, do you have the same problem I do where like on your downswing, you got, you have the baseball mechanics where it goes out instead of down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. And yeah. so fellow sufferer. And so after that, everything's just been driving ranges and one experience at top golf. And it was at top golf where I fixed it. Cause I just had to tell myself swing across the ball. Yeah. I was able to straighten it out a bit. Anyway, uh, we swear folks, this is not a golf podcast. This is a bleacher creatures episode one forty nine. Part of, uh, excuse me, XL Media, Elite Sports NY, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Got a familiar face back in the house. Max Goodman of Sports Illustrated is here with us. Welcome back, Max. Thank you for having me. I missed 150 by by one, a little milestone for you guys. I know, I know. Yeah, well, just by one. We we do have a pretty big guest scheduled for 150, though, so we'll uh, we'll see that. We'll, we'll get you back for 175. Okay. I, I think we can work on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll also, pe- we'll, we'll preemptively pencil you in for 200 as a round table episode. Wow. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, as I take a sip of water here. So it's the off season. Um, last time Max was here with us, it was right after the trade deadline. All right. Let's just rip the bandit off. Max, you were in the room in the stadium when the Yankees were swept by the Astros in the clubhouse, like, what's the energy in the room? Right when they lost game four? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I've heard from other reporters that there were, were tears and, and so much sadness when they lost in 2019 and 2017. Uh, it was kind of, you know, some some hugs, and it was a very, you know, solemn mood, obviously. Like, they just got manhandled and, and and dominated for four games and it's the end of a season but I'm not gonna say it wasn't as sad as I thought it was gonna be but it was kind of you know all right that was a great season and and have a great off season type of type of mood if that makes any sense it seems almost oddly that sounds almost positive considering a, a four-game sweep well maybe they just understood who they were going up against and knew the injuries that they were were coping with. And, and at that point, when you're down three, Oh, you, you kind of start to embrace your fate a little bit as much as they, you know, watch little 2004 highlights just to, to check and see if, <laughs> if they could, you know, replicate that. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that they weren't 
you know, incredibly disappointed and frustrated about the result. Cause that's what we heard from the guys that spoke after the game. And, and sure. Boone was very emotional as he was speaking as, as well, but it was kind of, I think they started to embrace the, the inevitable at that point, facing a, a juggernaut and, and future world series champion. It's definitely hindsight's 2020. It's very clear that looking at that, at the Yankees and the ALCS, they played hard when they played hard, but it was very clear that they were tired. I mean, we all, I mean, I can only imagine from a, from a coverage standpoint, like from being out on the road, especially just me covering at home, it was exhausting. The rainouts royally messed with everyone's timing. It messed with everyone's energy. The last two months of the season were kind of a slog and a grind as it is. Um, did that, did that feeling extend up to the press box? It definitely did. It was my first 162 with, clubhouse access as I started for 2020 so that was mm-hmm. 2020 was my first year which was very unique in in terms of just coverage when we're not we're on zoom and it was only 60 games yeah. uh, and I didn't get to cover the postseason at all either because that was the bubble and then 2021 we started to slowly get more access but still it wasn't completely normal so this year did have the normalcy but it was also a grind that I've never experienced before um, so I, I have more of an appreciation for what the players deal with what the you know, execs and then front office folks deal with. And then obviously for, for media members as well. How much are you looking forward to next season? I'm, I'm excited to be able to have a little bit of time to, to decompress and and spend time with some family and and catch up on some, some golf, some gaming (laughs) and that type of stuff. But you know, the, the work never stops. There's never a dull moment with this team. So I'm definitely uh, amped up for, for spring training as well. I was going to say, like, what time during the offseason do you find yourself being like, okay, I'm ready to, you know, be around the guys and and kind of see the same faces that I haven't seen in a few months? I don't know if that ever goes away completely. It's kind of just, okay, I'm exhausted. I'm going to take a little time to to rest more than I am working each day. Like, I still, the grind doesn't sleep to a certain extent. But I think even right now, like, I'm excited for – the storylines that we're going to see in the spring and the new faces that we might see uh, the, the competitions at different positions. Like there, there, there's a lot to follow with this team going into spring training and the expectations are always high with the Yankees. Right. So it's every spring is, is exciting. And, and for fans, anxiety ridden and, and all that stuff as well. So let's backtrack to the, to the latter half of the season. Um, Aaron Boone is a very polarizing manager I personally like him very much. I think he's done a very good job uh, un- under the circumstances across his whole tenure. There's that one game. I forget which game it was specifically, but he was very upset after the game, like just smacked the table. It's right there in front of us. The division lead was shrinking. What did you take away from watching Bo- watching Boone up close, like being in the room with him this year as opposed to just being on Zoom? That's a good question. Um, he's he's very invested, I guess you could say. You know, yes. I think that with with the highs, you can see him act differently and and uh, you know ride the wave of of how well his team is playing. And then with the lows, you can tell that he gets frustrated as any manager or player would with questions about why the team hasn't been performing well. And sometimes he might not necessarily have the answer, right? I mean, right. as we saw in twenty twenty one, it was a a talented team that was incredibly inconsistent and sometimes it was inexplicable at, at yeah. times. And then the injuries had a big role with it too. And even sometimes with certain players that aren't performing up to the standard that we've seen in the past, it's not like Boone's going to go out there and openly bash said player over and over in press conferences during, during their low points. So you know, I, I think you you see the the development of kind of with that previous question, the the development of a long season. It takes a toll on everybody. And yeah. considering just how great for the Yankees the first half was, historically great, crazy pace with wins and and Judge starting out what what turned out to be such a historic season as well. It it was a, a reversal that maybe the guys in that room didn't expect, and I think that that makes the final month or two of the season when you're not winning and you're hanging on to the lead and the expectations are so high, the criticism is, is building. Uh, it makes it tough. Alec, uh, you look like you've got uh, something you want to ask. 
No, actually, I, I'm, I'm, I just love listening in on the inside of it all. So I, I have no <laughs> pressing questions right now. You're looking, you're looking pensive. Oh, I always look pensive. What are you talking about? Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you did that. Yeah, you kind of got, um, got a Boromir beard going on, like only a little <laughs> thicker. Yeah, yeah Max, we were talking Lord of the Rings before we got on, so that's a little non sequitur there. Um, <laughs> back, back to baseball though. Um, I remember when that with that. Uh, Boone presser that I just mentioned where he smacked the table in uh, in our ESNY Slack chat there was some speculating oh that this is a sign that Aaron Boone has lost the team did you get that at all over the course of the season that he had lost the clubhouse at all I don't think so I mean the team wasn't playing well I don't think that it was a case of him saying something way out of bounds and and creating a divide or him not making the right moves to to a glaring extent. I mean, there were some questionable and controversial decisions by him all the way through the postseason, but nothing during August, you know, day after day, where it really created a, a, a divide, if, if that's what you're asking. All right, well, we're going to rip the Band-Aid off again. At the risk of speaking out of school, Max, are the numbers – very present in the locker room. I mean, you, you were there. I mean, how how deep of a dive are the players doing into these analytics, stats, matchups, whatever you want to call them? Well, we're only in there when when there's you know media access and we're on the field during during BP. So I'm not sure how much guys are looking at the iPad and and checking in and having that analytically minded conversation with a hitting coach, assistant hitting coach, assistant pitching coach, whatever it is. I do think that they use quite a bit of technology when, when we're around them on the field and, and in, in practices and workouts and such. And, you know, you go over to talk to a, a reliever who's sitting at their locker, they might have, you know, a, a binder full of, you know, heat maps and, and splits and, and stuff like that. So I think that they're always consuming numbers and why not? Right. I mean, if, if you have it at your disposal, it can't hurt to a certain extent. I know some people out there, maybe those who are listening are not fond of analytics and, and don't have that modern perspective of the game, but I think every team uses it. It's just some use it more than others. Alec and I have absolutely discussed there's 100% utility to analytics. They're, there's a lot of good that can come from their use, but striking that balance between what the numbers tell you is a good idea based on the general feel of the game Everyone here in this room played baseball at some points. Uh, Max, in your coverage of the team, do you find yourself having to strike a new balance between what you feel is happening in the game based on what numbers might tell you? Totally. Uh, I the first thing that came to my mind, I don't know why, when you were when you were asking that, is there was one game towards the end of the season where Aaron Hicks was used as a pinch hitter. It was righty versus lefty because he came in as a, as a switch. Yeah, uh, and, and he was in the midst of his long slump in the second half. And after the game, Boone was asked about it. And he said, you know, he's, he's a guy who's going to be able to work a walk there. And he has yeah, the left. like, we like that matchup, but the feel there are other guys on the bench who had been playing better. I don't remember who was, you know, in the lineup and who was on the bench in that specific instance, let alone who was pitching. I believe it was a, it might've even been like an Emmanuel class a or, or yeah. closer to that extent. And, you know, you, you question those kinds of things, but that's also, you know, we're, we're detached from a media perspective. We're following the trends. And when, when Hicks goes up there or when judge, if he's in a really bad slump or he's playing really well, you say, okay, what's the narrative of this at bat? He's, you know, one for his last 20, I'm going to start to type out he's one for his last 21 because he's down 0-2 in this at-bat. So we have a different perspective. And also when you're you know writing articles during the game and, and prepping your stories, you're, you're keeping tabs on those types of things. The, the trends that are in the game notes that, that the team gives us before the game and, and after the game. Speaking of Aaron Judge, you were in Texas for his record-breaking home run, right? I was, I was in Toronto. I wasn't in Texas. Uh... I didn't get to see that one in person. But I did see 61 in person and 60. Yeah, I yeah, I was there. I was there for 60. What a wild game that was. <laughs> yeah. And I was just sitting in Philadelphia watching on TV. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but... I, I about 60 really quick. I've I've said a couple of times. I'm not sure if I will ever 
cover a more historic and dramatic half inning in the span of my career in the sense to see such a historic home run and then the rally that it was and then Stanton's, you know, walk off grand slam, just all of that happening in a span of 10 minutes or, or whatever it was, it was just so much going on. Yeah. Cause you want to write your story on, on judge hitting the Homer. And then all of a sudden, right. It win the game and you're going downstairs for, for interviews. So it was, a. Uh, there have been a few games like that with this Yankees team where they, they just they make history. They they come back in the last second, and like I said yeah. earlier, there's never a dull moment. I think that's like what's the most frustrating part about the team, right? For especially for a lot of fans who are sitting yeah. at home and you know they're experiencing it through the TV, is they see these almost storybook scenarios unfold, and you know you in one moment you think you know, they got something here. This might be the year. And then the next thing you know, they're swept out of the playoffs. It's Well, uh, cu- well coupled with that, it's also every year uh, Yankees, the fans, media, uh, we're fed the same thing. All right, boom, here we go. New season. It's time for number 28. Let's go. Let's go get this. And so anything, anything less than that obviously really stings, especially from a fan's perspective. I mean, Max, you grew up here in New York. You know that just as well as everyone. Yeah. Oh, I, I will say... I was trying to think of what you guys might might ask and the the overall, you know, was this a disappointment what the expectations are in New York? And I think 20 to 25 other franchises would love a 99 win season. Absolutely. A division title, all of the walk-offs, the comeback wins, the historic performances, not just what Judge did, but yeah. Eric Cole's season, what Nestor did, the narratives of you know, second tier guys stepping up in bigger roles. I mean, it was Jose Trevino. It was a, it was a remarkable regular season, yeah. but the lows of August and then just barely sneaking by the guardians and obviously getting slammed by the Astros. It, it, it certainly casts a shadow and this fan base, you know, what is it? 12, 13 years since, since yeah. they won the title. <laughs> That's that's a long time for for Yankees fans, especially those who were around. I was too young for for much of it. I was, you know, cognizant of what was going on in 09, but yeah. I was very young for 99 and 2000 and that kind yeah. of stuff. So if you're a middle-aged baseball fan and you've been a Yankees fan for that I entire time. I feel so time, called out right now. Yeah. <laughs> you, so yeah. called out. It's been a long time, so I get it. And I'm not forty. Payroll... Yeah, don't 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 kill me just now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but with with the payroll, with the the star power, with like you said, the narrative every year, this is going to be the year, and the the flashes of that dominance, that effectiveness, productivity, whatever you want to call it, it stings every year. Uh, but I think that the Astros were certainly the better team going into that series, and even with, let's say, DJ LeMay, who's healthy, Michael King is healthy. Andrew Benintendi's healthy. I still feel like the Astros win that series. They they just they ran into the better team. Yeah, like, I still think the Astros would have won that series, but the Yankees would have at least put up somewhat of, of a better fight. Sure. Well, yeah, uh, you know it, it's it's different this year for the Astros because you know in past experiences it's always been the Astros bats. Yeah, the Yankees, and you know watching the World Series, it's just what they did with their pitching staff was unbelievable. And I don't know what the answer would have been for the Yankees, for the Phillies or any team that came across them. I mean, that was probably like Christian Javier's performances, both in the Bronx and in, you know, Philadelphia, that was probably some of the best postseason pitching I've seen in a long time. And so. it makes that, that Christian Javier is so good, but it makes me sad because just looking at so much of the, of his game tape, it's so clear. Okay, he's got the fastball that he spins remarkably well, and hitters are biting at it. We saw what the Yankees do it, but they're just late in popping it up. So they'll probably just adjust the timing on their swing next year once they recognize the fastball. Maybe. I mean, like I, I, I remember hearing on one of the broadcasts that hitters are describing it as they just can't see it. Yeah, they just not see the fastball, which is scary to think about. Um, but you know, backtracking again to you know, talking about how all the other teams in the league would kill to have the season that the Yankees had absolutely hundred percent agree. And I think it's completely fair to say that both things are true where that this season for the Yankees was not good enough, but that Yankee fans are incredibly spoiled. They are. <laughs> so they're like Cowboys fans for a football reference. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, pivoting back to baseball. Um, Max, there were a lot of new faces 
in the clubhouse in the second half of the season. Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, your fellow Big Tenor, Scott Efros, did you get to get to know any of the new guys well at any point? I, I meant to talk to Scott about that, but then he got injured and, mm-hmm. and he wasn't around, so I didn't get to. Um, it's always funny when, when guys get called up because I'm only 25, so right. I am a similar age to so obviously, you know, Cabrera and Peraza are, are younger than me, but I'm yeah. right there with Clark Schmidt, Ron Marinaccio, those guys, even Michael King a little bit. Uh, I did talk to Harrison Bader at one point because he went to Horace Mann. Yeah. I know people that went to Horace Mann. Uh, I grew up playing baseball in the city, so so we have a little bit of... Um, my, my brother went to Riverdale Country and was friends with Harrison. Okay. I went, I was public school all the way through growing mm-hmm. up in Manhattan, but... I knew some people that went from from the public circuit to to the the private circuit as they started to get older. Um, but it's yeah. it's funny, you know, reminiscing and and these guys are human beings too. The best advice I've ever gotten as a reporter is to check in with these guys and and ask about their families and and just talk to them because then talk anything them, not baseball, right? Because then when you go up to them with an actual baseball question, they they know you're coming from a, a good place and it's not just, I'm a, an object. You're trying to get a story out of me, which right. you know they understand what our jobs are too, but you find out more about someone and it, it you build those relationships. It takes time. I'm, I'm still. Absolutely. Yeah. What kind of energy does Oswaldo Cabrera bring to the room? Would you say? Contagious smile. He's always saying hello whenever he walks around and he's Danny Rojas. I knew it. it's a it's a contagious energy on the field too right i mean wherever you put him he's he's making plays he's provide i think providing a spark is is the best way to put it and they they really needed someone like that when he did come up and and start to produce there has to be a role for him on the on the regular roster next year right i've been thinking about that i'm not sure because there's there's an argument to be made that they should just keep him in the outfield because of how good he was in in the corners from a you know anecdotally he played well the eye test it was great but the metrics really support him picking up those positions as well and he's got the arm for it the the reaction the the speed but he is a classically trained infielder and and that's where he profiles to be moving forward I think he'll probably be in the competition at short but that's not necessarily his primary spot maybe if Labor Torres has moved. You move him to second. Maybe if Donaldson doesn't end up at third, he, he could play third. He even mixed in a little first base. So I think the the ceiling for him right now is that like Ben Zobris type where you can really put him all over the place. I was uh, just thinking Ben Zobris. They, yeah. he's, it's unbelievable how he's a natural shortstop. Kind of goes back and forth between there and second base in the minors, a little bit of third base. And then all of a sudden comes up, hey, you're going to the outfield. And then robs a couple of homers. I think, Alec, I think you pointed out, do you think he had a plus nine DRS in right field on the year? Yeah, in an incredibly short amount of time. He He's had, one of the best in all of baseball yeah. in, like, what, 30 games? Or yeah. Whatever. Like, his impact was immediate and substantial. Uh, you mentioned shortstop. Now, your fellow uh, beat writer, Brian Hoke, did an interview on WFAN was asked about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and came right out and said it was like, yeah, they, they basically gaslit us. In the in the playoffs, when it was like musical shortstops, we'll say, did you and all the other reporters in the, in the room, were you all kind of thinking the same thing? Like, okay, like something's not right here. They're trying to cover up, not, not cover up, but like kind of like quietly admit that IKF was a mistake. Well, the way that I've been referring to not just shortstop, but but the left side of the infield is they made that bed when they made their trade to get rid of Gary Sanchez and and include Gio Rochella in there. They were going to sleep in it the whole year. And maybe it was denial or a failure to to come to grips with the situation. Or you can play devil's advocate and point out the positives from what IKF and, and Josh Donaldson did in 2022 there were some positives but it was just rearing its its ugly head with with him at at shortstop i mean he had one of the better batting averages of any yankee in the postseason so he was putting the ball in play like he always does but when those 
errors continue. And then the description that Boone gave it was that he was pressing, playing not to make the error. You want your your shortstop to be confident and and fluid. What Jeremy Pena did, so yeah. uh, maybe that's a little bit of a sign that it is a, a a possibility to use your your young phenoms at the position and just let them go for it and and take over. But yeah, I mean he he. It's it's the he, he was who who they thought he was going to be right he he's an elite contact hitter but he rarely ever hits the ball hard he had five barrels this year I believe it was uh, so the the power numbers are not there but he's gonna put the ball in play hard to strike out in the bottom of the order and at times he's a very consistent reliable defender but the errors are gonna pile up and I think that his number of errors was deceptive and there were a lot of plays this year where he got bailed out by Rizzo at first, or they just didn't credit him for an error. And I think that that's why it's reflected in his, his DRS. I think outs above average from Statcast was a little more fond of his defense. So whoever you prefer in in terms of fan graphs or Statcast, he had his moments, right. But, but it was, it was glaring in the postseason. Well, Uh, and I said this, I think in probably the last episode or the episode before that, where, you know, in a vacuum, I don't think IKF is a problem. It, the it what the Yankees suffer from is he represents a problem that's multiplied in several other players. So you know, weak contact skill or not weak contact skills, but not driving the ball how they should be. You know, really low batting average guys. You know, you can't have a lineup that has an Aaron Hicks and IKF and a Josh Donaldson doing what they did last year altogether. You can take a guy like IKF, who was the most consistent offensively of the three, even though the power numbers weren't there, you can take that 260 to 270 batting average if you have the proper pieces to kind of bury him, you know, and not make it such a glaring issue. So I will be interested to see on how he plays next year if they address some of those other issues and they and they patch up some of the holes in the lineup. Right. Because, you know, Yes, he's an elite ball to bat player, you know, um, or bat to ball, I should say. And yeah, <laughs> long night. <laughs> um, so he's he he's very good at that, and that is a value to a lineup like the Yankees that have a lot of swing and miss. Um, but it's it's got to be complementary rather than just like you know, okay, batters six through nine were just a big black hole. So it you know. I am as frustrated as any fan when it comes to IKF and how he kind of turned out this year. He had his moments, but you know, the, the, the negative moments outweighed the positive, but you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how it plays out next year for sure. Yeah. I mean, Brian Cashman is at the GM meetings in Las Vegas as we speak. And he's, he said like shortstops more, they could go after a free agent. He implied, he also said Volpe might be in the conversation. I, I would love for that to happen. Um, but let's shift to more free agency stuff. Um, Max, you saw last night Anthony Rizzo opted out of his contract. I'd say it's a. I'd say the odds are pretty good he resigns with the Yankees, wouldn't you say? I feel like it's it's got something to do with with the the judge sweepstakes as well. I think being around the team, it's it's pretty clear those two are very close. Yes, I think their their wives are close as well. So yeah, they like, maybe uh, if maybe if Judge leaves early, then Rizzo changes his mind but i think that the consensus is you know i would have opted out too if i was in his shoes I mean, he had a, yeah. a great year for his age and for his recent couple of years and yeah like what were it to, not were it not for the back injury he probably would have set a new career high in home runs totally and when he was healthy he was producing and i think that his his presence in the locker room from my perspective is is that it was a positive one and he's got right. the, the postseason experience uh I wanted to write something I never got a chance to longer form about him with the mound visits because there was yeah. Rugnet Odor last year with the excessive mound visits, but these came from Rizzo at perfect times, uh, you know, settling down somebody or just making him laugh and, and talking about baseball too. I mean, that was, yeah. it was, it was an a elite intangible that you don't see show up. And he, he, has that kind of impact in the clubhouse for sure. Yeah. Like I, I, I was writing about his free agency earlier today. I'm saying like the main reason you can't really, the Yankees can't, in my opinion, can't afford to lose Rizzo is that it's not just production. He's a phenomenal teammate. 
Like mm-hmm. if Ju- if Judge is the captain of the Yankees ship, Anthony Rizzo is easily the loyal first mate. And just this team in general cares so much about each other. I mean, Judge Aaron's wife Samantha ran the New York City Marathon last weekend, and the Rizzos, like a- Anthony, posted this to his Instagram. They were by the finish line cheering her on, like taking care of of their dog because they both have dachshunds. And on top of that, like Giancarlo Stanton, who we all know doesn't live in New York during the off season, last I checked, he even he was showing up to support them. So like this team, like they love and care about each other. So you have to figure everyone kind of wants to stay together, but that that obviously depends on the front office. Totally. I think if you have the the money to spend on someone like Rizzo, who deserves a, a pay raise other than the the sixteen million he would have got if he if he opted yeah. in, I think you you go for it and you could focus on he's aging. The the back issues are not going to go away. It's probably right. something that they'll have to deal with moving forward. And analytically his defense did take a step back other than just like the scoops and helping out his teammates. He was missing more balls than he usually, I mean, he's a platinum gold glover, four-time gold glover. Like he's a great defender, but he's starting yeah. you can start to see the age impacting him just like it did with, with Donaldson. Right. So, so I think you, you spend that money. It's a no brainer. Also, what are the alternatives? It's not like yeah. have somebody who's next up. Uh, and I don't think that the free agent class is necessarily that appealing. Unless they're going to get like Brandon a, Belt or a Josh Bell, I guess. But I mean, his swing is perfect for Yankee Stadium. You saw that this year. And yeah. Like I, I was at the three home run game. He's he was born to be a Yankee. As we like to I, say. Have, I have a personal investment that the Yankees should go get Christian Walker, but he's a righty, so it's not going to work out. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, but no, like, and not just that. Rizzo is clearly a very smart player. He's not going to be asking for the moon on a new contract. He's aware that he's getting up there in years. I, I thought he was kind of go he was kind of going to go the CC Sabathia route. And say, okay, instead of me opting out, let's just tack on a couple more years and up the average annual value. And right now, he's probably realistic. I like I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of went the Zach Britton route, got the three-year deal that has the opt-out, but also a swell opt. It's like it hasn't been done for a hitter yet, I don't think. But again, they're the Yankees don't have any first base prospects. The the market, it's not that good in terms of the position. Cashman could always swing a trade for somebody, but eh, probably not. DJ LeMahieu could play first base easily. He's got a good glove there too, but he's starting to age. I mean, if he keeps getting hurt, he's going to be contact hitting Mark Teixeira. <laughs> but the the big guy in the room, literally, Aaron Judge, Max on the spot, is Aaron Judge resigning with the Yankees? Do I have to give a yes or no? I'm honestly, I go back and forth on it. Uh, I think that it's going to come down to what his family wants. And if he really just wants to pursue the best deal that he gets, uh, if if he wants a change of scenery, if he wants to come back and and be a a captain like figure for the most illustrious franchise in in baseball history, so I I'm not sure. I mean, he's he's accomplished quite a bit. He hasn't gotten a ring, but is is that drive enough to keep him around? If maybe another team absolutely blows the Yankees away in terms of a contract, because I think there's an argument to argument to be made that giving him eight plus years and spending all of that money, it, it might not be the right argument, but there is an argument that it's not the best business decision for the product on the field. Like those contracts right. don't work out. Usually the, the latter half of them, the, the and, last two or three years are always an albatross. Right. And sometimes even more. I mean, he does have injury concerns, earlier in his career i think that he's silenced quite a bit of them the vast majority yeah. of them with these last couple of seasons he's played but more games than mike trout <laughs> yeah I mean, he's not gonna <laughs> give him give him trout's contract no um <laughs> all right hold on hold on i got i gotta mark down the uh we gotta we, we hit the quota for alex uh you alex usual mike trout jape oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Alec likes to beat the Mike Trout drum all the time, and like I'm, I've kind of gone, gone there with him right now. But it's astounding. Like, well, let's use Harrison Bader as an example. He, I think, prior to his Yankees debut, he had a plus fifty six outs above average in the outfield for his career. Mike Trout's outs above average in center field at the same time was zero. Oh wow! For his career, we're we're, we're risking a very um, extreme divergence here. 
uh, let's try to get back on back yeah. in this direction. And <laughs> that's right. something if I'm the one who's trying to you know direct us back. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, it, it's clear though Aaron Judge losing it would be catastrophic. How much of a villain is Brian Cashman if Aaron Judge walks? Well, that's that's the the, the counter to what I was starting to hint at because no matter what the possible repercussions of, of bringing him back and it doesn't work out. I mean, if, if he does leave and it comes out that they didn't offer enough or they just didn't commit to bringing him back, I think the optics of that are just awful. And also yeah. in the short term, he's irreplaceable, both in his between the lines standpoint and in the way he is in the clubhouse. I mean, also from a marketing standpoint, like, like Cashman said the other day, he puts, fannies and seats right i mean what he did for this franchise is it's it's incredible what he was able to do in 2022 and he's become a a jeter like figure for this for this team he's one of if not the faces of the sport he's great on defense there's a part of the stadium named after him Uh, you look around the stadium and it's all 99s it's not twos it's not i don't know what else it would be and he's one of the best, if not the best hitters on the planet when he's, when he's playing well. Right. So yeah. he's not going to hit 60 plus home runs every season, but the alternative is Oswaldo Cabrera playing in right, or they sign Michael Conforto. Like, I don't, I don't think that there's a way to replace him other than maybe you sign a, a big name shortstop and like go all in on your pitching staff or something. Like there are other ways that you could use, that money in theory, but still, I mean, it's hard Alex, to envision this team without judge. Right. And that's, Alex that's said, I think he'll stay. Yeah. I, I think he'll stay as well, just because I, I made the argument that having a record breaking season actually works in the Yankees favor because like he had 62 home runs. Okay. Is he going to do that again? Almost definitely not, but you know that you're going to be getting a powerful right-handed bat who's going to give you between 30 and 40 home runs a year, maybe between 40 and 50. And at the same time, like what, who's to say other teams look at that and go, we're not getting into a bidding war with the Yankees over this guy. We're just not like, let them have him. Also, what, what other team would give if, if a ring is, is what he really wants, what other team would give him that best chance beyond the Yankees? You know, if he knows that New York is going to make another few moves and, and they're, they're bringing the band back together. Do the Giants have a better chance at, at winning? I don't necessarily think. I mean, he could go to the Dodgers, but that's like a Kevin Durant type thing where he's just going to the to the best team. Um, Me being an agent of chaos, I threw out into the ether last week that what if the Atlanta Braves made a move? With all that money they've been saving on their young talent, I would be really interested to see if the Braves are just like, here's two years at $100 million. Let's go win a ring. And that's it. But I'm I'm just an agent for chaos here. I think. Be, I think uh, well, in a in a similar <laughs> vein, Alec, I speculated also with Judge. You can't rule out the Texas Rangers either because they people like and Max, you saw these numbers too. Even for a 68 win team, the Rangers weren't a terrible hitting team. They hit. I they think they ranked 12th and eighth respectively in home and runs scored and home runs. Their issue was they had no pitching and they struck out more often than they walked. Bruce Bochy. The longtime Giants skipper, Judge grew up a Giants fan. He has the chance to go play for him, and he's got Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, and Adolis Garcia had almost 30 home runs and over 100 RBIs last year. And so you got to figure if the rain if the Rangers are thinking, okay, we can't outpitch the Astros, let's outslug them while we develop our own pitchers. It's a sound strategy if you have the right manager. So Judge, if he goes there, maybe on a long term deal, if the Rangers want to spend more money, or maybe short term. Let's be an agent of chaos a little further to the West. <laughs> right. I mean, I think DeGrom makes some sense for, for the Rangers as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think you'll see some teams that haven't been winning or, or want to run it back. They might go after a guy like Judge. I mean, a, a talent like that doesn't always come around on the open market. And the Yankees weren't able to make sure that he doesn't have those conversations with other teams. So, Again, I, I think that him going elsewhere, whether it's a team as close as the Red Sox or a team as far as as the Giants, it, it doesn't look good. And I think the fan base will be furious 
Uh, I think that other guys in the clubhouse won't be thrilled about it because there's no clear avenue as far as I am looking at free agency in the offseason unless they go bonkers with with trades and 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 moves and transactions to make this roster better than it was when they had judge and everybody was healthy i think that that's still their best route going forward um yeah judge uh absolutely losing it would be devastating i mean alex said last week the the pitching's competitive enough to keep the team competitive but judge would be devastating a devastating loss yeah i mean i'm not envious of brian cashman at all (laughs) no like you are not i yeah i mean there are moves that will benefit the short term but will hinder the long term and there are moves that is going to benefit the long term but hinder the short term the short term it's you know i think it's important to be able to look at all these different options with you know an open mind and try not to measure it in immediate success or failure. But yeah, it's, it, it's a scale. And which one are you going to, you know, value more when you're balancing it out? It's not envious. You also have to consider that they haven't won a world series in this long and the prime years of Garrett Cole and John Carlos Stanton are numbered. So I think yeah. if there yeah. is a time to make a move that you may regret, five plus years down the road, you know, screw it. It's not like they're strapped for cash as far as I'm concerned. Well, right? not so. just that, like you also have to keep, you also have to keep in mind to, Oh, like the, the shift is banned next year. So you don't, so you have to completely reevaluate how you look at a hitter's uh, projected stats. Cause now you figure, okay, he doesn't have the shift to worry about anymore. So you got to figure out what were once out. How many of those are now going to become hits? Rizzo could benefit from that as well. Joey Gallo too. Bring Joey Gallo back. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, poor Joey. I sadly think he's done with New York. Um, here's a question for you, Max, as we start to wind down. Um, what do you see as Clark Schmidt's role going forward? Because I remember you saying you got to talk with him a little bit this year. Yeah. Clark's in a, a fascinating situation. Um, been, been yearning for that opportunity in the rotation. I think you've seen flashes of his potential he's got such elite stuff starting to fill the strike zone up a little more than he has in in recent years and the big thing heading into this season was just experience and I think that you finally have seen him have a you know air quotes full season in the big leagues as much as it sure. a full season uh it's clear why he was a former top prospect but it hasn't translated maybe to the extent that the Yankees were hoping to this point Mm-hmm. So that's why, yes, he could be the number five starter. But man, if there's an alternative to to signing somebody in free agency, that would be a two. I think that would be a better route. Or you have to consider the Domingo Hermans of the world or bringing back a Jamison Tyone or something like that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they stick him in the pen or to a certain extent, I, I, I'm just considering every option. Like maybe there isn't a path to him being in the rotation right now with the way things are. You can't just keep him in the bullpen every single year or keep him in AAA and hope that he's going to develop into this top-of-the-line starter. As much as I do think that he has the potential in him, and and I've you know established that relationship talking with him, and I think that he's in he's in a good headspace and he's dealt with some injuries in the past. Like I think you did see that potential uh in, in 2022, but I mean he was he was wasting away in AAA a lot. And, right. and when he was up, the team's battling adversity. He's going to take any opportunity he can. But, I mean, Michael King wants to be a starter, too. It doesn't always work out. Right. And if you can find your role and pitch effectively, I think that anyone would would be happy with being the Michael King. And and the modern game is changing yeah. so much, right? Like, it's, it's rare for a pitching prospect to go all the way up through the minors and then be a seven-inning guy in the starting rotation. Like, that's... Yeah. That's a rare breed nowadays. So, I, I mean, you hit, you said it with Michael King. I mean, he pitched so well out of the bullpen last season before he got injured that I think it's safe to say Chad Green isn't coming back next year from Tommy John. And and similarly, Clark Schmidt, he looked good enough in middle relief that maybe he can be paired with King as like the seventh and eighth inning guy, depending on the matchups. 
Um, but you reported Jameson Tyone's very interested in a reunion. Uh, do you see the interest being mutual? He said that after game four. I, I could see it. I, I think that there's a a spot for him. I mean, he was he was very effective for a lot of the regular season, other than the the home run ball really. Yeah cast a shadow on his he, ear sorry, sorry to interrupt he also seems to very much enjoy living in new york i mean i don't know if you i don't know if you follow him on instagram but he's hanging out in the hudson valley he's yeah. like still hanging out in the village i mean he's currently down in new orleans for jordan montgomery's wedding uh, sure. i believe you meant you told us he's a groomsman so so like it's i think that like he's definitely latched on to being a yankee and like you you definitely mentioned his issues with the home run but also his relationship with cole i think makes him a good fit to return like if the money's right obviously yeah he, he was one of those guys that was taken aback and very surprised by the montgomery deal because they're super close mm-hmm. from coffee dates to coffee playing dates. Fortnite together and that kind of stuff i mean you know guys in the starting rotation spend a lot of time together whether it's just in the dugout or or watching each other throw and all that good stuff so well not just that because you have to figure garrett cole he's very He's obsessed with pitching, as David Cohn said, and you can tell he's got a good working relationship with Matt Blake. So if Matt Blake is is setting the game plan and Garrett Cole, he's the ace at the top of the rotation, he's probably making sure that all the other pitchers, not just in the rotation, but all the way down to the bullpen, just buy into that philosophy. Would you say? Absolutely. But with, with Tyone, I mean, what what kind of contract do you give him? Because he's had a lot of injury concerns and he's right. – he, in, not in injury concerns. I mean, he's battled quite a few significant injuries in his career, uh, some out of his control and, and some others. He's not getting any younger either. No. So he's going to want to get a, a couple years and some security and some money. I think that you can make a case for him in this year's rotation, but what about next year? And, and this year is in 2023. So I, I can see him in next year's rotation. But beyond that, I'm not sure. And and Frankie Montas is a question mark as well. And you bring Luis Severino back, and that's a no-brainer. But as far as I'm concerned, he's still a little bit of a question mark because the flashes of that top-of-the-line rotation stuff, it's there. But also he did miss some time with injury, and, and he was not able to get to, to recapture that form as well. So, you know, other than Cole and, and Nestor Cortez, who at this point I guess is is – an ace in his own right he's he's yeah. been good for a, a season and a half i think that it's not a fluke anymore he's going to pitch that way moving forward can you trust that rotation to beat the astros in a series i don't know um nestor also on top of being a great pitcher he looked like he was also like a cheerleader in his own right in the dugout just kind of like talking to guys that same infectious energy that uh, we talked about with oswaldo cabrera did you get to know nestor at all this year we we had we had talked a little bit about Miami. I have my both my parents are from there, right, yeah, and and my family, uh, a lot of relatives live there and are from there. So, uh, both like I grew up a Dolphins fan. So we talk about the Dolphins. We're both nice. fans. Um, you know, I've, I've been around Hialeah a, a bit in in vacations going down to Miami sure, and sure. North Miami Beach and all that stuff. So. Yeah, and you, you can tell he's he's extremely close with with Judge and Rizzo, and that's that's the core group of leaders uh, on this team, and and guys that produce, guys that have been there before, and and Cortez is a great example of a player that was overlooked and has been through his own adversity and and injuries and underperformance, and he was able to figure it out, and so credit to him for continuing to work on it. And credit to the coaching staff and his teammates for bringing the best out of him. And man, he's gonna if he if he can continue to develop, yeah. they've got two aces at the top of the rotation. But you know, can can they do it in October and beyond against teams like the Astros? That's why the the rotation still has a question mark as good as it is and as good as it was during the regular season. Yeah. That was one of the most consistent parts of this team uh, in yeah. twenty twenty two. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's clear that some that some arms I, I don't want to use the term overachieved, but like definitely punched above their weight in certain regards, Tyone especially early on. All right. Well, Max, it's been a great talk. Last question. It's the offseason. What are you looking forward to the most just now that you got this time? Oh, I'm looking forward to a lot of things. Uh, I do uh long distance with my girlfriend, so she's not in New York City during the season. 
So I'm later this week going to fly to where she is. She's a, a PhD student in St. Louis. So nice. um, that'll be nice to spend some time with her. Going to get to see her, her parents and her family. Uh, I'm going to go see my grandparents in Miami, uh, play some more golf, hopefully. Uh, I'm, I'm a avid gamer myself, so a little more yeah, time. What, what do you play? I play a lot of Fortnite. Uh, I haven't played Call of Duty in a while, but I did quite a bit up until Vanguard, which was the the most recent one. So Modern Warfare 2 that just came out, I'm going to try to pick that up soon, I think. Um, MLB The Show, those kinds of games. Nice. Um, but, you know, I still run SI's Jet site, so I'm still working every day following that team sure, from yeah. afar. It's been and, a fun season on that end, too. Yeah, yeah. I, great for, for both all three New York teams, right? If you, you consider yeah. Buffalo in there as well, uh, <laughs> or all one New York team. And I'm a, I'm a big basketball fan. I haven't been able to dive into that yet, but it's already, geez, that season has been going for, for a while now too. So uh, college basketball started, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to watch sports, consume it in a different way. And still a lot to talk about with the Yankees too. Like you will can't, you, will you be watching the great star Wars content that is Andor? I haven't yet, but I want to actually. Oh, yeah, and I'm, so I'm a big good. Uh, so good. <laughs> I love Marvel movies and that kind of stuff. The, the MCU. So, um, Black Panther two comes out in a couple days. I believe. Yeah, it does. It's yeah, that's right uh, on Friday. And then some crazy good movies lined up in the next couple of years there. But I do want to see Andor, so that's good that uh, you told me. I've I've been meaning to start it. It's just like a commitment that I haven't gotten into. Give um, it three episodes. It's it takes a little while. Okay. You need That's to good. watch it in three episode arcs. So the yes. first three are like separate. And then the middle three, I think there's supposed to be 12 episodes this season. So each set of three are its own contained story and arc. Is everything out? Like, could I? No, no, no there's, there's still a few episodes left. left. Yeah. I think episode 10 comes out tomorrow. So then two more after that. So maybe I wait. <laughs> this is, this is devolved into an episode of the Nerdist, folks. Sorry about right. that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, Max, uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you, uh, enjoy the rest of, uh, enjoy the rest of your off season and hopefully, uh, one or both of Alec and I will be in the clubhouse with you next year in Tampa. All right. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be we're going to, we're going to manifest this into the universe. It's going to happen. Bleacher creatures <laughs> take spring training. I got to start writing again then. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, folks. Uh, enjoy the show.